Hello and welcome to Episode 5 of The Future History of Newburgh, a series of short stories about a peculiar town on a peculiar planet where science and magic mingle in an effort to save the worlds. In the last episode, we went shopping with Amelia, a freelance journalist, and we really regretted our purchase. This episode takes us back to Lower Newburgh to begin with. I hope wherever you are, you're relaxed and happy and ready to listen to Episode 5, Getting to Know You. I tried to stay calm, but it kicked out with one of those huge legs, broke my clavicle, sent me flying into a tree. I'm still healing from the concussion, Andy said, recalling his recent encounter with a strange animal on Mount Distant. Amelia wanted to have a conversation with the ranger, not have her face buried in notes while she wrote down information for an article. So she was recording this interview on her digital notebook. She would note later how pale Andy looked while he recounted the events and how he gripped his coffee cup with both hands. Amelia had told Andy they could go anywhere he'd like and do the interview over coffee, her treat. He chose Granny Bone's Pizza Cafe, which was no surprise. Trevor, the barista here, made the strongest, darkest espresso in town. The whole of Newburgh seemed to be addicted, and they all seemed to be here laughing and giggling over hot java and peppy music. Though Amelia had tried to pick a secluded booth for Andy's sake, it was still a strange environment to hear a scary story. Andy sipped at his coffee and put it down, shaking slightly. I tried to tell myself I had hallucinated all of it. I even believed myself for a while. But no, that thing was real. And you said the creature was headless. Amelia asked, intrigued. Yeah, no head, no torso or arms even. Just legs and waist, I guess you'd say. Are you nervous about going back into the woods? Andy leaned back and ran a hand over his nut-brown curls. I do it. I went back to work, but I think it's still out there. Did I tell you that when I came to, the creature Bigfoot thing charged at me and chased me all the way... A faint beeping noise from Andy's hand interrupted him. Similar noises came from around the restaurant as people looked excitedly at their comm rings. Andy pressed the side of his ring, and then turning meekly to Amelia asked, Would you, would you mind? I just got a notification that he's live right now. Oh, um, sure, Amelia said, taken aback as Andy rotated his comm ring, and a projection popped up between them. She'd never had an interview interrupted because an interviewee wanted to watch a live webcast. A handsome man with long black hair was walking and talking on Andy's projected screen, as well as on nearly everyone else's screen in the cafe. Amelia shrugged and decided to take this moment to grab some more sugar. Walking past booths and tables, she could hear the webcast echoing around her. Hi there, Ju Long here. 
Last night, I came up with an incredible breakfast pizza idea, and I can't wait to try it out here at Granny Bones. Amelia grabbed two sugar packets from the counter as the front door swung open, and in walked the smiling Julong in cargo shorts and flip-flops. His arm was bent at the elbow, as if he was checking the time, and he seemed to be talking to a tiny blue dot that hovered above his jade bracelet. Amelia was surprised that no one in the cafe even looked toward the door. They just continued to stare, transfixed, at their screens. I'm thinking chai-style thick crust with hollandaise sauce, cheddar cheese, scrambled eggs, bacon, pineapple, and anchovies on top. The cafe patrons made a collective groan that said they weren't so sure about their show host choices. Stay tuned. I'll be back soon to let you know how it is. With that, he pushed his jade bracelet farther up his forearm, and the recording ended. People chuckled and looked Julong's way, but gradually went back to chatting and sipping coffee. A little girl came up to ask for the man's autograph, and he said, Only if I can have yours, too. The girl nodded enthusiastically as Julong signed a napkin. She wrote her name in big letters on the other side. Julong tore the napkin in half, and gave his signature to her before she went skipping back to her table. He folded the napkin carefully, put it in his pocket, and approached Trevor, who was waiting with a blank expression and the retinal scanner. Please avoid looking directly into the light, Trevor said, unimpressed with Julong's celebrity. A red light flashed across Julong's face, and a beep sounded. I'll be right out with your pizza, sir, Trevor said. Amelia stood at the bar with sugar packets in hand, and Julong took a seat on the empty bar stool next to her. He propped his elbows up on the counter and waited for his food with a pleasant smile on his face. Amelia would go back to finish her interview with Andy soon, but she thought there may be an interesting story somewhere here, too. You're Chong Julong? Yeah, that's right. His eyes were glistening jet and contrasted with the soft features of his face. Your father is Dr. Chiang, the hydroponic and xeric farmer? Yep. Yeah, Dad's really into trying to grow plants without soil or water. He hoped I would take up his research, but I'm just not that into plants. I work at our fruit stand sometimes, though, he said with a grin. You're Amelia Levin, right? Yes, I am. I read your article last week about why it never snows south of Mercury Road, Julong said. You know, I tried to interview your father for that piece because of his extensive knowledge and precipitation, but... Let me guess, Julong interjected. He didn't have time. Amelia nodded with a shrug. So, what did you think of the article? she asked. It was a good read. I enjoyed it. I don't buy any of the experts' theories, though. What were they? Localized atmospheric pressurization? Tina talked about wind tunnel effects. I could get behind the sage who said it didn't snow because of an errant weather spell. But otherwise, everyone sounded like they were just pushing their own lab research instead of actually addressing the question. Julong's pizza arrived then. It looked... interesting. He leaned in close and took a deep inhale of fish and pineapple. I bet the truth is simpler than we think. I think people are just too busy to really look at it, Julong said. I agree. People need to stop and see the heart of the matter, Amelia said, shaking her sugar packets. See, that's why I appreciate your articles. They're a distraction from all this busyness. 
Sometimes it feels like the people in this town are a bunch of bees trying to prove how busy they are and forgetting to make honey for each other. Amelia tilted her head thoughtfully, and Julong turned his attention to his unorthodox meal. Man, I gotta get a before shot of this pizza. He rotated his jade bracelet, and the blue dot hovered over the pizza. An image of it was projected between him and Amelia. With the morning sun glaring through the cafe windows, he couldn't get the angle right, no matter how far he stretched and leaned. Amelia picked up the pizza platter and held it closer to the blue dot. The image between them showed a perfectly zoomed-in shot that highlighted the hollandaise sauce. People are too busy, she said. That's why I do what I do. We need to focus more on what's really happening out there, you know? She continued as hollandaise sauce began to dribble onto her finger. Frowning, Julong backed away until the entire pizza was framed in the shot. I totally agree. This pizza is really happening. Look at all those anchovies, he said, rotating the jade bracelet. The image between them disappeared. It's perfect, he said in awe. Amelia placed the pizza pan back down. I'll let you get to it, she said, shaking his hand. Oh, sorry if I got sauce on you. No problem, he said, and licked his fingers. Julong exited Granny Bones and the glass door shut softly behind him. Stretching in the sunlight, he rubbed a hand over his full belly. He strolled down Zinc Street through the sweet smell of pastries that hovered around Sandy's Donuts and passed preoccupied parents with excited children out shopping together. As he climbed the stairs to Lower Newburgh's SkyTrain platform, he prepared his comm ring for his follow-up live webcast. The platform was nearly empty. It was just him, the blue dot, and one other passenger in his periphery. Granny Bones did an excellent job constructing my latest idea of the perfect breakfast pizza. It was okay. I'll keep tweaking my toppings. Say, thanks for watching today. Join me next time for a walk on the beach. Pearl Point, not Sunken Sands. That place is a shipwreck waiting to happen. It'll be a little while till I see you again, so have a nice while. He rotated his bracelet just as the sky train arrived, and the transmission ended. Julong boarded and sat quietly with his hands in his lap. He liked taking the sky train. He thought it was a shining example of how sages and scientists could work together to create something of benefit to everyone. The train was quantum levitated using mega superconductors. Yet, it was propelled by a momentum spell. Supposedly, there was a conductor who guided the train as it glided its way around and through Newburgh in a colossal figure eight. No one had ever seen the conductor, though. Julong frowned to himself as he concluded that the system was fully automated now. He enjoyed the ride anyhow. The train rocked subtly back and forth, and he watched the rooftops of Lower Newburgh fly by and give way to an expansive horizon of desert. The sand ended abruptly in a wide arc of water, and as the train turned gracefully, Julong could see the late morning sun reflecting in a brilliant, undulating strip across Bartholomew's Bay. Saturdays were light travel days, and it was unusually quiet on the Sky Train today. The car was practically silent, except for the easy listening music playing unobtrusively over the sound system, and a few rustles coming from the other passenger. They must have checked out an old-fashioned book or newspaper from the library and were leafing through the pages. It had been ages since Julong had seen a folding newspaper, and he turned in curiosity hoping to get a good look at it. 
Instead of seeing a newspaper, he saw a woman sitting incredibly still. Or rather, it was a plant-like being in the form of a woman with aspen bark skin and with hair and fingers of leaves that rustled with the train's movements. She was staring at him intently and with only one eye. Her left eye was missing, along with the left side of her face. The being slowly turned in her seat to face Julong, and he saw that she was missing the entire left side of her human-shaped plant body. He could see branches and roots that formed the shape of a lung and ribcage underneath the bark, and there was even part of a digestive system. His jaw dropped in astonishment. Julong's first thought was that she must be in pain, and he should call someone to help her. He reached for his comm ring, but the woman's barky visage twisted into a scornful grin, and she lunged at him, grabbed him by the throat, and picked him up from his seat without any visible effort. His feet dangled over the floor as he breathlessly clawed and scraped at the woman's arm, which was as strong and inflexible as a tree branch. Dozens of roots formed from the being's body, and they searched every pocket of his cargo shorts, combed through his hair, and felt in the small front pocket of his t-shirt. The woman pulled out the napkin with the little girl's autograph on it. This was not what she was searching for, apparently, because then the roots reached up underneath his shirt, creeping against his bare belly. He felt splinters lodge into his skin. The mass of roots concentrated over his chest, and his shirt ripped apart. Sap dripped slowly from the plant woman's mouth as she sneered, and two roots arched back in front of Julong's heart like snakes prepared to strike. He struggled frantically to reach his comm ring on the other side of the being's arm, and he finally twisted it just enough. His bracelet beeped, and the blue camera light hovered just above the plant woman's wooden ball of an eye. She dropped him immediately and tried to clasp the light in her hand. Julong collapsed into his seat, coughing and gasping for breath. Growing frustrated at repeatedly failing to grasp the blue light, the plant woman let out an ear-splitting scream of creaking wood. Julong aimed the camera dot as far away from him as possible, and the plant woman leapt at it. Announcing arrival at Midtown Station, an automated voice declared overhead. The sky train slowed abruptly, and the plant woman wrapped her roots around poles, handholds, and seats to steady herself. Two dull chimes sounded, and the train doors hissed open. Half a dozen people boarded and screamed at the grimacing wood sculpture of a mutilated figure embedded in the train car. At their screams, the plant woman rapidly retracted her roots and retreated to the far upper corner of the car. After the slightest pause... Her right-sided, womanly figure morphed into coils of twining roots, which then slithered and arched hastily along the roof of the car, over the screamers' ducking heads, and out the door. A middle-aged woman, thoroughly engrossed in a projected video above her comm ring, boarded the train just before the doors closed. Looking up to find a seat, she recognized Yulong amidst the pack of amazed passengers. I just watched that live video you posted, and I gotta say, I don't appreciate the horrific turn in your content. I don't tune into your channel for those kinds of terrifying images on my screen, she said, dismayed. And for goodness sake, put a shirt on. The woman found a seat at the back of the car and sat down with a huff. Realizing he was still recording, Julong fumbled with his bracelet and ended the video.
He attempted to pull the tattered remnants of his shirt across his bare chest. The sky train accelerated forward, and he sat down hard in his seat. He stared at the solid, dark floor while his breathing returned to a normal rhythm. Eventually, he turned his calm ring one more time. Hey there again, guys. Sorry about that last video. I know that must have been a little shocking to everyone. You know, I never realized how important it is to acknowledge the people around you. You never know what amazing things that someone right next to you could be capable of. I mean, you don't even have to speak to have an impactful connection with someone. That's, uh, that's all for now. Don't forget about the beach. Have a nice while. Julong ended the video right before the automated voice said, Announcing arrival at Old Town Station East. He waved to his fellow passengers as he got off the train and then jogged down the platform steps into Argonne Avenue. It was market day in Old Town, and the road was lined with pop-up stalls packed with people buying and selling colorful robes, magic-infused spices, and, of course, dry-farmed citrus. Julong bought a new t-shirt from the first available clothing kiosk and immediately put it on. Toward the end of the road, he rolled up the green awning to his family's fruit stand and arranged the produce crates in an eye-catching manner. His work finished... He sat back in a rusty folding chair and propped his feet up on the counter. He closed his eyes to nap, but found himself popping them open again, hoping that one of the oranges had sprouted legs and come to life. That concludes Episode 5, Getting to Know You. I hope you enjoyed it. The Future History of Newburg was written, narrated, and produced by R. Don Hutchinson. To find out more, please visit me at rdonhutchinson.com. If you're enjoying these stories, please take some time to leave a review on iTunes or other podcast provider of your choice. It'll help other people find the show. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there. As always, thank you so much for listening and helping the story unfold. I tried to stay calm, but it kicked out with one of the. I tried to stay calm, but it kicked out with one. Oh my gosh.